Tom? It was middling warm in school, warn it? Yes'm. Didn't you want to go in a swimming, Tom? Mm-hmm. Well, not very much. The old lady reached out her hand and felt Tom's shirt and said, Hmm, but you ain't too warm now, though. Some of us pumped on our heads. Mine's damp yet, see? Aunt Polly was vexed to think she had overlooked that bit of circumstantial evidence and missed a trick. Then she had a new inspiration. Tom, you didn't have to undo your shirt collar where I sewed it to pump on your head, did you? Unbutton your jacket. The trouble vanished out of Tom's face. He opened his jacket. His shirt collar was securely sewed. Bother. Well, go along with you. I'd made sure you'd played hooky and been a swimming, but I forgive you, Tom. But Sidney said, Well, now, if I didn't think you sewed his collar with white thread, but it's black. Why, I did sew it with white. Tom! But Tom did not wait for the rest. As he went out at the door, he said, City, I'll lick you for that. In a safe place, Tom examined two large needles which were thrust into the lapels of his jacket and had thread bound about them. One needle carried white thread and the other black. He said, Oh, she'd never noticed if it hadn't been for Sid. Confound it. Sometimes she sews it with white and sometimes she sews it with black. I wish to Jiminy she'd stick to one or t'other. I can't keep the run of them. But I bet you I'll lamb Sid for that. He got home pretty late that night. And when he climbed cautiously in at the window, he uncovered an ambuscade in the person of his aunt. And when she saw the state his clothes were in, her resolution to turn his Saturday holiday into captivity at hard labor became adamantine in its firmness. Saturday morning was come, and all the summer world was bright and fresh and brimming with life. Cardiff Hill, beyond the village and above it, was green with vegetation and it lay just far enough away to seem a delectable land, dreamy, reposeful, and inviting. Tom appeared on the sidewalk with a bucket of whitewash and a long-handled brush. He surveyed the fens, and all gladness left him, and a deep melancholy settled down upon his spirit. Thirty yards of board fence, nine feet high. Life to him seemed hollow, and existence but a burden. Sighing, he dipped his brush and passed it along the topmost plank. Repeated the operation. Did it again. Compare the insignificant whitewashed streak with the far-reaching continent of unwhitewashed fence, and sat down on a tree box, discouraged. Jim came skipping out at the gate with a tin pail and singing buffalo gals. Bringing water from the town pump had always been hateful work in Tom's eyes before, but now it did not strike him so. He said, Say, Jim, I'll fetch the water if you'll whitewash some. Jim shook his head. Can't, Marsh Tom. Old Mrs. says she spent Marsh Tom going to ask me to whitewash, and she told me go along and tend to my own business. Oh, never you mind what she said, Jim. 
That's the way she always talks. Give me the bucket. I won't be gone only a minute. She won't ever know. Oh, I dasn't, Marsh Tom. Oh, missus, she taken tar the head off of me. Did she what? Jim, I'll give you a marble. I'll give you a white alley. Jim began to waver. White alley, Jim, and it's a bully tall. My, that's a mighty gay marvel, I tell you. But Mars Tom, I was powerful afraid, old missus. But Jim was only human. He put down his pail, took the white alley. In another moment, he was flying down the street with his pail in a tingling rear. Tom was whitewashing with vigor, and Aunt Polly was retiring from the field with a slipper in her hand and triumph in her eye.